Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. Come on, somebody. I love that right there. I love that right there. Vision or or sight is what you see when your eyes are open. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. That right there, I was listening to that on the plane this week. I I listened to Pastor Travis's message from last Sunday on the podcast this past, on the plane. And y'all, I just like, I just about shouted on the plane. The problem was there was a bulldog sitting next to me on the plane. And I was really afraid of what might happen to my ankle if if that continued. Man, why don't y'all give it up for Pastor Travis? Come on, we need to... Great word last week, man. I'm telling you what, so good, so good. We, um, I'm so excited to be back. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of a church uh, where I can go and, and kind of do some external ministry as well um, when God gives the opportunity. And so last week, um, I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I just got to share this. I, I just believe in celebration. And uh, last week, we went and I preached three services to over 500 teenagers and youth uh, at a youth conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee last week, and uh, an amazing time, uh, but y'all, the first night, it was the craziest thing, Megan and, and John and Hannah were there, and um, y'all can attest to this, but the first night, um, we were talking about salvation and purpose, and at the altar call, I just said, I'm going to count to three, and there's a group of you that need to get up and give your heart to Jesus, because you've waited on everything in life to do that, and tonight, Jesus is saying to you, I'll meet you at the altar if you'll give me your heart, and y'all, I kid you not, for two and a half minutes the aisles emptied and people just poured forward over a hundred people gave their lives to Jesus last come on you better stand and honor that because I'm telling you that's not that's crazy thank you Jesus for that dude it was I called a buddy of mine the next day he texted me and asked how it was and I called him and I said it is the wildest thing I've ever seen I've never given a salvation call to where I couldn't stop it. Like, I literally couldn't stop it. They just kept getting up. Like there, and then we did another prayer moment, and y'all, they were standing, grabbing the seat with one, aisle, one foot in the aisle, waiting on me to tell them to come forward for the next altar call. Like, it was unbelievable. It was great. So I'm grateful uh, that I serve a church that allows me to do those things and is good with that. And prays for me while I do those, those things. And our team and, and Pastor Travis can deliver a, fa- a phenomenal message. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, um, and then this past week, I got to sit with some of the greatest pastors and leaders in America. I kid you not. And I got to sit under them. And they poured personally one-on-one into me, put their arms around me and prayed for me and things. And so I'm just excited. I'm excited. So I say all that to say this. You're getting three sermons today. Congratulations. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles. I'm going to take a detour out of Nehemiah. We're going to connect it back to Nehemiah. But I'm going to take a detour out of Nehemiah to close out this Be About It series. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And um, I want to give something away right off the beginning. And I love uh, people that take notes. To me, taking notes is the way that you remember things. Uh, in fact, it's like... I think it's 75% more effective that you'll remember things if you write them down somewhere around in that number. So I just love taking notes. And so I got a book that I want to give away to somebody taking notes. I've been paying attention 
And so I want to um, give this away. It's called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. This book has completely jacked me up and messed me up over the past month. Um, there's a gentleman in our church that bought this book for our staff and sent it to us, and it has messed all of us up. And uh, none of us will ever be the same. And so I'm looking at some guys right now, some people that take notes every single week. And I just want to give this to Zuli Beth over here, who's always taking notes, always writing stuff down. And she on the front row, come buddy. It pays to get towards the front. Come on, get that. It's going to jack you up. I'm just letting you know. You'll never be the same again. So uh, take that and read it. It's amazing. Genesis chapter 2. Have you guys ever sat in a restaurant or a store? And you saw something, and this ran across your mind. I wish somebody would just do something about that. Yeah. So in Gatlinburg, we went to a restaurant in Gatlinburg while we were there. Uh, the first night we were there, and the food was, it was okay. It was all right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a popular place. So we tried it out for lunch that day. And y'all the whole time, like, the wait, I think I'm like an Altoid to a lot of people. I think I'm really strong at first. But then you kind of get used to it. You ain't got to come on on that one. <laughs> and then you kind of get used to it. Like the waitress was like really sassy with me. She was cool with everybody else. But she was like, why are you so sassy? And I want to look at her and be like, first of all, I'm the customer. And uh, second of all, uh, get out my face. You know, no, I'm just kidding. And so I was joking with her. And she was like asking me a million questions. She was just doing things that were kind of weird. You ever been at a restaurant experience like that, you know? And maybe it was because she felt comfortable because I was joking with her. I don't know, but she was just doing things that were kind of weird. Every time, y'all, every time she left the table, um, we would look at each other and be like, why? Why did she do that? That just got really awkward, you know? You ever been in those situations, right? And, and, and John looked at me because uh, John used to be the seven-star server at Cracker Barrel. And, uh, <laughs> and so... <laughs> John, John looked at me, and he said, somebody really needs to tell her how to do this the right way. And I looked at her, and I was like, yeah, and they need to, like, now. I left her a big tip and just prayed for her, and I was like, Lord, do something in her life. Praise God. You know, uh, and if she's watching this, in the name of Jesus, I love you. You're, you're amazing. Um, great service. Uh, anyway, no, we, we, but you ever sat in an experience like that? And just went, somebody needs to fix that. Maybe it's a bunch of stuff. There's certain stores that I hate to go into because there's a million clothes laying on the floor and mixed up everywhere. And you're like, somebody needs to fix that? Anybody? But here's the thing about that restaurant experience, right? I couldn't fix it. Do you know why I couldn't fix it? I wasn't her boss. And because I wasn't her boss, I don't know how things were supposed to be done in that area. So there's only two types of people that could really fix it in that moment. And it was either the person that is over her as her boss or someone that knows the person that's over her as her boss, right? There's only a certain number of people that can fix it because they have to be close enough to the one that knows how they want it done to be able to come behind her and be like, don't ever do that again! Don't ever do that again. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't operate that way. And, and I just want, like, I've walked away, and that's how I feel that we look at the church sometimes. Come on, y'all. Right? That we look at the church and we go, you know? Or we look in our county and we just go, I wish somebody would fix that. There, there's an opportunity of growth in our schools and 
poverty is taking over and there's a negative religious mentality that's killing this county and all these things. And we look and we do this and we go, I wish somebody would fix that. I wish somebody, and here's the thing, maybe in the corporate world there's only certain people that can fix it, but the people that can fix it have to be close enough to the one that knows how it needs to be done to go to the other people and tell them how to fix it. Can I tell you that in the kingdom, we all have an opportunity to be close enough to the one that knows how it needs to be done to fix it all, and we don't have to hope somebody fixes it. We can step up and fix it. And so I want you to title it this today. I want you to title it this, I'll do it. Come on, say that with me, I'll do it. I'll do it because here's a call. Today is a call, and I'm just letting you know today is going to be challenging. Because when I was preparing today, it challenged me after I've internalized it. I'm like, wow, I feel like I've done nothing in my life. I feel like I haven't done anything that I need to do because of this. And, 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 and I just want, today is more about the heart behind Radiate and why we are the way we are and why we do what we do. So that you can understand, but today is also a call to action. That it's time that we're the ones that do something about it. Anybody ready for that in the house today? I want to start with this phrase. Discipleship is serving. I want you to hear me today. Discipleship is serving. Nowhere do you know the word discipleship comes from the disciples that follow Jesus... When he was walking the earth and did three and a half years of ministry and did amazing things, discipleship comes from disciple. You will never ever see a committed disciple of Jesus in the Bible that doesn't do something. Nowhere, in fact, only in American church do you see discipleship related to filling a chair on Sunday mornings. Come on, somebody. Tell me you love me real quick. It's, I like that. I like that. I've missed you guys. I just, want, I just want that to be known. Because nowhere, nowhere, nowhere when they're following Jesus, getting closer to Jesus, do they look at Jesus and go, hey, I don't want to do anything. I just want to draw closer. And Jesus looks at them and goes, okay, cool. That's fine. Just do that. Because following Jesus, listen to me, following Jesus, there is no time out, there is no halftime, there is no break, there is no time off. It is never you get to clock in, clock out. It is never it starts at 8 a.m. and ends at 4 p.m. so that you got time to hit happy hour on your way home and get blistered drunk on your way home so that when you get home, your kids don't even know who you are. Come on. Never is there a moment. In the Bible, when you read the gospel and understand that Jesus gave everything, is it okay for us to sit around and never do anything but receive everything? Ever. It's not there. In fact, one of the harshest rebukes Jesus ever had for his disciples is found in Matthew chapter 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, we know that he's about to get arrested. Judas is about to betray him. He's bringing the army and the guards with him to lock him up and take him to jail and take him to Caiaphas' house to get uh, uh, beaten and tortured before he's taken to the cross. And all these things are happening, right? He's in the garden praying. He looks at three disciples and he says this, I need you three to come with me. Guard the entrance. I'd say they failed at that. Guard the entrance. While I carry the weight of what my father's asked me to do. The weight he was carrying was so heavy, he literally prayed every single time he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what he prayed? Lord, if it's your will, please take this cup from me. In other words, I don't even want to do this. But I carry the weight of everybody that I'm connected to that has come or will come to the earth. 
I carry them to the cross, and because of that, if it's what needs to happen, I will gladly do it. And as he's praying that, his disciples are curled up on one of the new purple mattresses laying out there on a rock that we see 1,500 commercials about right now. And he's looking at them, and he's going, and he walks out to check on them, and he goes, they're sleeping. Man, drink a bang energy drink or something and get your behind up. The new unicorn flavor, it's great. Drink it. Right? And he looks at me and he goes, I need you to wake up and stay awake. So he walks off and he comes back. They're asleep again. He looks at me. He's like, what are y'all doing? I'm in here praying so hard that I'm bleeding from my scalp. I'm sweating blood carrying your weight in the weight of the world and you can't stay awake. And serve me while I get in my father's presence to figure out what's next. So he walks off and go to sleep again. He comes back a third time. When he comes back a third time, he looks at him. He's like, you're still asleep. And then he looks at him and says this. It's too late now. What I asked you to do, you slept on. And there's a repercussion. There's a consequence to every time that you slept on my promise. And he said, because of that, the guards are about to come in and arrest me. And it's all to fulfill prophecy, and we know that. But one of the harshest rebukes is when he looked at him and said, it's too late now. We look over that all the time. It's too late now. Here's why. Because they were so worried about being comfortable. Because you know what happens when you get comfortable? You fall asleep. So they found him a comfortable spot to lay back against the I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a beautiful place. It's very peaceful. It's easy to get comfortable in there. I can actually see how it would be easy to fall asleep in there. I've been there. It's beautiful. And they find this place up against an olive tree somewhere and lean up against it. And then while he's over there praying and sweating blood, they're sleeping because they're so comfortable in who they are and what they're doing in the moment. They're not worried about what he's trying to do. And it's a powerful example of this. Somebody's got to fix it. Somebody's got to carry the weight. Somebody's got to do something. And because here's the thing, when we, look at, when we look at serving as a response or a worship moment, here's the thing. I'm not earning merits for God's brownie point system. I'm responding to His grace. I'm responding to the fact that God put me on this earth and woke me up today, put breath in my lungs and redeemed me from hell. Every, his mercies are new every day, which means every day I wake up, I've got a new mercy from him that's deep down in my spirit and in my gut so that when I stand on the promises of God today, it's a gift from him and I get to serve him. I don't have to serve him. I get to do it. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. And the disciples are in this moment, and, and there's two truths about today. And I want to read something, two, two truths today. And, and then I'm going to go to Genesis 2, because I'm not even to the meat of my message yet. Somebody say, hold on. Hold on. I, want to, I want to tell you something, but it's going to challenge you. So if you're ready for that, crinkle your toes up and look at me and say, I'm ready. ready. I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says this. It says... Um, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you know what serve, worship is? Stewarding what God's given you. That's why in the Bible it says that take my, my body 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Let me steward my body, my heart, my soul, my spirit. Let me steward the, the, the gifts and the, the, the abilities that you've given me. Let me steward those well. And 1 Peter 4.10, pop that back up there. 1 Peter 4.10 says that we have a special gift. Can I tell you something today? Listen to me. Every person sitting under the sound of my voice, I don't care if this is your first time here. I don't care if you've messed it all up and you've walked away from God. I don't care if you're not even in a relationship with Jesus right now. You have a special gift from God given to you specifically. I loved how Pastor Travis put it last week. He put it this way, you weren't saved from something, you were saved for it. You were saved for something. You were redeemed for something because every one of us was given a special gift to steward. And then if you scoot over to James chapter 4 verse 17, it says this. Now listen, therefore to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves you. Listen, I cannot say our goal is to empower and equip people to live the life God intended if I don't tell you the honest to God truth. If you've got an ability in you that you know in your opportunity and in, in, in worship is to steward that and use it for everybody, if you know that that's in you and you don't do it, according to James 4.17, you're sinning. Which means I'm creating separation between me and the grace of God. Not the love. Nothing keeps him from loving us. But I can forfeit the promise he's got for me. By looking at him and going, no, nah, I'm good. I'll just go to sleep on this rock while you carry the weight of it all. I'll just go to sleep out here. You pray, you sweat blood. I'm just here to tell you, listen, this ain't because Radiate Church is in some dire need for volunteers. That's not it. We, we beat, we are higher than the national statistical average for volunteers in a church by like 20% at Radiate Church. But I want you to understand why we do that and why you need to do that. It's not for our benefit, it's for yours. Serving is discipleship. I, I, listen, many of us look at, at God and we say this. Man, I really feel like I'm drawing farther away from God, so let me, I need to step away from serving. That's like going, I need to get hotter, but I'm going to back away from the fire. Y'all don't get mad. Hey, I, I, I need to step away from connect groups or life groups. I need to step away from connecting with people. I, I, I'm not going to go hang out with them. They're going bowling this weekend. I'm not going to go there. Hey, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do that. That's like me going, hey, I'd really like to catch this marshmallow on fire. Sitting in my recliner watching the Super Bowl tonight. It ain't going to happen. I can't expect to draw closer to God by pulling further away from those that are on fire with what he's got and what he's put in them. I can't draw closer to him if I'm pulling further away. It doesn't happen. Serving, you cannot look in the gospel and show me where discipleship ever happened without serving. It didn't happen. It's nowhere in the gospel. It's nowhere throughout the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they serve, but they serve so that they got merit in God's brownie point system to go, oh, they're good. They're doing well. Yes, mm -hmm. let's go. The New Testament is like, no, I came to fulfill those things so you don't have to earn merit with me. You got merit through grace and mercy and love and forgiveness in out of me. You've got all of that. I came to fulfill that. Now go and do. 
Go be in John. Here's why it's so important to do it. Ephesians 4.16. Throw that up real quick because I can't even the main scripture. Ephesians 4.16. For whom the whole body. Somebody say the whole body. The whole body being fitted and held together by, by what every joint supplies. Not what every joint does, what they supply, what they have the potential to give. Held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. The proper working. The proper execution. According to who? The one that put the whole thing together. Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I hear people ask me this. Pastor, what do I need to do to help the church grow? And I'll say, you need to get involved. Oh, I ain't got time for that. You got a stack of invites? Well, that helps. And that's a way to serve. And we need to do that. We need to give invites out to everybody we know. But the Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 4 that the way the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, grows is when we start executing what we have the potential to provide to the body. It says what every joint supplies has the potential to provide when it starts to execute and work within what it's supposed to do. Can I tell you this church, this county, this city, these, these people, people you're connected to, your family, your friends, will not grow to the extent that they can grow until you start exercising and executing what God put in you. I'm just going to lay it out like that. I don't know how else to say it nicely. It just is what it is. And so I want to go, I know what time it is, calm down. I want to go to Genesis 2, because this has been on me so hard. This is the culmination of the entire series. Is this helping anybody today? Genesis 2, 2 4 through 9, I just want to read it real quick. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven, now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the entire surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know about the garden of Eden. We know what it is. We know what happened there. We know about the serpent and Adam and Eve, and we know all this stuff. But here's what we fail to realize a lot of times is there was a moment in time where there was seed. Everything that God wants to do, we're, we're, I'm going to do this fast. Everything God wants to do starts as a seed. As a seed. Everything. Every purpose God wants in your life starts as a seed, right? So he'll take this and he'll, put, he'll sprinkle the seed on soil that will do something. And so he takes the seed. But here's the thing about a seed. A seed takes time. But not only does it take time, it takes nur nur nurturing. It takes cultivation. And so it says, if you look at the way that this entire thing took place, it says that it was in the earth, but it had not yet sprouted, which means everything that God wanted to do in the earth at that time was still in what? Seed form. 
It was still in seed form. It says that they, he had not sent rain upon the earth, which now causes the water to, to, to activate the seed in the soil, which will cause a sprout. It said he hadn't sent rain upon the earth. It said that he had a mist that rose up from the earth to keep it wet. Why did it do that? Because it says, if you go and read the scripture, he didn't send rain because there was no man to cultivate it. In other words, there was fruit God wanted to give on the earth but there was nobody willing to take care of it. And so he couldn't make it sprout from the soil until somebody was willing to do something about it. Why did the mist rise then? Because if you keep it just wet enough, it keeps the seed germinated. Which means the seed is going to be ready to take root and to go as soon as the soil gets the oxygen it needs and the overabundance of, of, of rain that it needs so that it can begin to take root and sprout. Here's the thing. God looked and he said, I'll keep the seed germinated. I'll keep my promise germinated. I'll keep it to a place to where it's ready to sprout as soon as there's somebody willing to stand up and say, I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll be the one to do something about it. I'll change something. I'll be the one. And so he looked and he said, there's a lot of things that are in the earth that have not yet sprouted forth yet. So let me create man. And so it says that he breathed life into the man's nostrils and he came to life and he began to cultivate the earth. And so here's what began to happen. As he moved forward, God just out of nowhere just started bringing flowers into the entire thing. And what was once a seed now began to what? Sprout. Right? Y'all are like, really? You got to do all that? Yes, because I want you to see something. I want you to see something. Every one of these, every one of these flowers right here started as a seed. But they had to get the right nourishment, the right care, the right water, the right miracle grow. They had to get the right sunlight, the right UV rays. All those things had to get right. Or else, one of two things would have happened. The seed would have stayed dormant and never sprouted. Or it would have died in the ground. If nobody would have said, I want to see a flower. And I'll do what I need to do to see a flower I'll cultivate the soil I'll water it I don't know what I'm doing I, I, you don't have to be a genius to do this you can learn it as you go you know how I know I plant a garden every year and still have no idea what I'm doing but every year I get tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers I get um, peas I get watermelons and cantaloupes. And y'all like, I'm going to Lizard's Thicket in a few minutes. Because you're hungry now. I get all that stuff. But I'm nowhere close to an expert farmer or gardener. I don't even know half of what you guys know about that stuff. Some of you guys know the right stuff to put on the soil and how to move it and the time of day that it needs to be and da-da-da-da-da. I plant things that die before they ever sprout because I plant them at the wrong time of the year. Listen, here's what I'm saying. What if the 
the seed that God promised you, the fruit God promised you. What if the thing that you see, that you say, I wish somebody would do something about that. What if it's not the fact that God's ignoring your prayers? What if it's that he's waiting on you to step up and go, I don't have to be an expert. I'll do what I got to do to see the fruit come forward, the flower to sprout and to come up. He may be germinating it and keeping it there so it doesn't die, but he's waiting on somebody that'll go, I'll do what I got to do to get where I got to get to see what you promised me. I did not bring the rain because there was no man to cultivate it. What if the changes, what if prayer and hope isn't enough? That's heresy. No, it's not. Jesus prayed and God answered during his actions. Jesus often went away by himself to mountains or beside the lake to pray, to speak to his father. I'm not saying prayer is not important. What if we pray for something, but we never cultivate the soil that God called us to? Listen, did you know that you can actually mess soil up so bad that it'll kill anything in it? You can put so much poison down on it. Here's a story. I was trying to kill the grass around my garden last year. And I was spraying some really heavy-duty farm industrial grade roundup because I go big or go home it's just how I roll and I sprayed it and some of it got on a section of tomato plants and guess what happened the tomato plants died didn't get no tomatoes from that one you know why because I was trying to do good but I was careless about it so it got on something that was trying to live and I poisoned the soil did you know that in that section nothing grew there the rest of the year do you know why because I thought I was doing good by calling somebody out for what they did wrong and I said it to 15 people that couldn't fix the problem to begin with and so the gossip has now poisoned the soil so nothing can grow there because everybody's going that's poison soil that's tainted soil I thought I was doing good by showing my significant other that I love them things just went a little too far and now that we're in it might as well keep going but now it's tainted soil and it's going to be hard for the promises of God to grow until I fix the soil is anybody catching me today? Maybe the financial seed that you've been praying over, it's not God's fault that it's not growing. Maybe you're not cultivating the soil that the seed's planted in. What if the seed is planted in budgeting and stewardship? And I'm asking God to fix my mess every time that I write a check and overdraft. Are you with me? I'll do it. There had to be a moment in the entire thing to where God went, you know what? It's time. 
It's time for some sprouts. It's time for the trees. It's time for the fruit. It's time for the vegetables. It's time for the beauty to sprout up. I need a man that's willing to step up and say, I'll do it. I need somebody that's willing to step up and say, give me the rake. Give me the shovel. Give me the hose. Give me whatever I got to do, but I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll do something instead of sitting back. Come on, I know y'all are like, Pastor, you got to say that because we need more people. It ain't about me. It's about looking at you and going, you got a special gift that God specifically gave you before the foundations of the world were ever created. Ephesians. And God's looking and He's going, I just need somebody to raise their hand and go, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll love people nobody else will love. I'll serve and then without a title. I'll do what I got to do so that God, you can do what you have to do. I'll be what I need to be. I'll read the word. I'll pray and I'll do those things. But I'll also put some feet to the plow. I'll put my hands to the dirt and I'll serve and I'll work and I'll give out invites and I'll pray over somebody and I'll invite people to be a part of the journey with me and I'll sign up for a team and I'll lay hands on people in food line if I got to. I don't care what I got to do, but my hands will get dirty because there's seed that is waiting to sprout and God isn't waiting on nothing else but me. Me. What if our marital issues aren't because of one or the other, but because I'm not willing to get my hands dirty in the marriage? Often before the harvest, He has to awaken us. Let me give you this last thought. Most people don't live up to their potential. They live up to their preparation. I can have all the potential in the world, but if I'm not prepared to do something with it, I'll never be ready when the time comes. Ever. I could teach a whole message on that in a moment. What if what God wants to do in this church, in this county, in this town, in this city, in this school, in your family, in your house, and your work, with your boss, in your co-workers, what if your wife and your kids, what if there's something God wants to do in them, but he's not, not, he's not ignoring your prayers, he's waiting on us to stand up and go, I'll do it, God. What is it? What do I need to do? God, make me uncomfortable. Make me frustrated. Make me mad. I don't care. Tell me what I gotta do, and I'll do it. I'll serve whatever leader I need to serve. I'll do, I'll sweep the floor so that you got an excellent environment to move in on Sundays. God, I'll do what I gotta do to get where I need to get so that only you can do what only you can do. We can't save anybody, but I can set the atmosphere so he can. Here, here's, here's the thing. and I've always, always dreamed of a church where everybody is involved. Not the select few and the elite. I'm talking about everybody is going, what do I need to do? You need, you need me to go do this? I'll, I'll do that. What do, what do you need me to do? Where do you need me to go? How, how do you need me to pray? What if it's waiting on a cultivator? Because serving awakens dormant seeds. Serving 
awakens dormant seeds that you thought God forgot about. But he's just waiting on somebody willing to cultivate. And so I just want to tell you today, I want to give you permission to stand up in your life. Say, I'll do it. I'll do something about it. I'm tired of wishing, wishing that Russell and Amy would do it. I, I'm tired of sitting back and waiting on the, the pastor to do it. I, I'm tired of all the, I'll do it. I'll make it happen. I'll go. Listen, 80% of Americans don't attend church today. I wish somebody would do something about it. Then do it. Then do it. You're the church. One of our core values, we are the church. I'm not radiate. I just am lucky enough to get called to pastor radiate and to lead an organization just like your boss does. But we together are the church that causes growth in the body of God and in the kingdom of God. I'll do it. I'll do it. Will you close your eyes with me today? Because some of you are going, I need to be the one to do it. Some of you need to take this step. We've done this every week. Some of you need to walk to that Connect Center today and go, I don't know where I need to serve. Just give me information and I'll pick one. I just got to do something. Some of you need to go home and write down names of people that you know you're supposed to serve and figure out how to do it. We were never called to take up space in an organization called the church. We were called to serve the body of Christ. That's, the, that's it. It's that simple. So I just want to ask this. In any way, shape, or form, who out there would raise their hand and say, I'll do it, whatever it is. And maybe it's personal, maybe it's in the church, but I'll do it. I'll do it, God. Pick me, God. Over here, God. Hand raised up high. Come on, throw them up in the air. I'll do it, God. I'll submit, God. I'll make it happen, God. I'll serve my church. I'll serve my county. I'll serve my community. I'll serve my Jesus. I'll serve my wife, my husband, my kids. Father, with every hand that is lifted high right now, they are not lifting their hands to please me. God, I believe they're lifting their hands in a submission of the Spirit to say, I'll do it. God, we understand that there's seeds that may be germinated, but you won't let them sprout because it's not time. And none of, nobody will step up. But God, we're saying today, as a church, as Radiate Church, we will do it. Choose us. Use us. Don't let us fall asleep at the rock while Jesus carries the weight. Let us walk hand in hand, foot, uh, step by step with Him. Let us sweat blood just like He does. Let us take the cross to everybody that we can. We'll do it. Today is the day where grace rains down and serving gushes out. We will love people through serving. We will love your church by serving. We will do what we have to do to be a part of the kingdom of God every step of the way. God, choose us. Choose us. Will you say with me real quick? Just say, I'll do it. Come on, one, two, three. I'll do it. Come on, one more time. Say it louder. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, God. Choose us. Use us. Use us, God. 
We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.